Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Ed here again from the GeoMob podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Very excited about this episode because we have someone who inspired me to get started with the GeoMob podcast, and that is Daniel O'Donoghue of the Mapscaping podcast, which all of you should be listening to if you're not yet. We're going to talk briefly about Daniel's story, learn all about the Mapscaping podcast, but also the business that he runs, which is also related to mapping, and uh, hopefully learn a lot along the way. Daniel, welcome. Big pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Ed. Really, really, really appreciate it. Hey, and I want to say thanks for all your work with GeoMob. Like, I haven't attended a meeting yet. I hope once all this corona stuff is finished with, I'll be able to make it out to one of the events. But I think it's fantastic what you're doing there. Well, flattery will get you everywhere, Daniel. Thank you very much. Um, no, I, I hope nothing more than that you are able to attend and that we're able to have the in-person events again quite soon. Fortunately, not entirely clear when that will be. But meanwhile, we've switched over to the online format and you can join us there and hopefully all of our listeners can as well. So Daniel, tell us first of all a bit about, about who you are, um, what you do, what about your, your the Mapscaping business, but then also how that eventually led to the Mapscaping podcast. Sure. So I actually want to start in, in high school then. <laughs> I'll, I'll make this quick. But I found everything in high school, absolutely everything. I have no sort of past grades in anything at all in high school. So when I was 18, I went to a, a outdoor recreation school and I actually learned to be an outdoor guide. So for two years, I studied rock climbing, whitewater kayaking, tramping, and then eventually went on to spend six, seven years, I guess, working in the outdoor industry as a guide and travel the world, spent about six years traveling around the world you know, in different places, spent two years in Germany, biked around Europe a lot, traveled up and down through North America, hitchhiked around Australia, just moved around doing outdoorsy stuff. All I wanted to do was climb on rocks. And then uh, living in Germany, I was just really tired one day. I said, you know what? I've had enough. I went home and decided that, uh, so back to New Zealand and decided that I would get an education, you know, get a haircut, get a real job, that kind of thing. And went to, went to university. So with no grades whatsoever from, from high school, fortunately in New Zealand, we can still go to university and decided that geography was the thing I was interested in. And uh, ended up getting a master's degree in geography. Yeah, and focused, uh, r- real heavy focus on, on GIS, geospatial remote sensing. And then, uh, so I was living in New Zealand at the time in Christchurch, going to the University of Christchurch, met my wife and moved to, to Denmark. And so that's kind of, that's how I got involved in, in geospatial. And, and that's living in Denmark now? Is that right? Yeah, living work in Denmark, been here for 10 years, working sort of as a consultant for, for different companies here. Okay, and what, what exactly is mapscaping? Tell us how you got into the, the map selling business. Yeah, okay. So, so that, was, uh, that was how I got into the geospatial world. How I got into the map selling business and, and mapscaping in general. I just wanted to do something else, you know, like working a consultant is great, but I mean, you end up doing the same stuff all the time. And the geo world is a technical world and it moves really, really fast. And I just felt left behind, to be perfectly honest. I mean, working on the same things all the time, there's a huge amount of repetition in, in my work or, and, and still is. That's and I just wanted a way of, of connecting with the larger geospatial world. I was really interested in uh, a business online, really interested in, and got increasingly interested in marketing and thought, well, what can I do? I'll, I'll try this, try making maps and just sort of started throwing things out there and seeing what worked. Well, they're very beautiful. I, I encourage all the listeners to go check out your website. Very beautiful wall maps, all kinds of different locations and look great. 
Absolutely great. A good, perfect compliment for any kind of living or whatever. But yeah, the point you make is an interesting one about that's one of the big risks with consulting, I think, is that obviously you become specialized in some area. And then as a result, you attract customers from that area and you end up doing the same thing again and again. And on the one hand, it's good because then you have your niche and you 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 make your money, of course. But man, you can really get it, it becomes easy to get trapped. So the, what that then led you to absolutely and and then what led to the creation of the podcast? That was just you said the best the best way to sell maps via the podcast or <laughs> no, like, two different things. So we found pretty quickly on that the audience that we could attract, you know, through our different social media profiles and and the website itself was increasingly a sort of more technical geospatial focused audience. And it was as difficult to market maps um, to, to that audience. So we think, well, what else can we do? I love podcasting. And again, I still had that urge to be connected to what was happening in the sort of broader industry and really curious about the different technologies that people were using and the different applications. So I thought, well, yeah, I'll start a podcast. Why not? So, so I did. And, and tell it for those that aren't familiar with the podcast, tell us your format. How does it work? What are the topics? And uh, how do you, you, you interview guests? How do you decide who you're going to speak with? What kind of people are you looking for? What conversations are you trying to have? Yeah. So I, I want to introduce people to... First First of all, it's just stuff that I was interested in, right? So I was scratching my own edge completely. Um, now that we have a bit, a bit more of an audience, a listening audience, I mean, I can ask them and say, hey, what topics are you guys interested in? And take it from there. But yeah, it is an interview. So I try and find experts in the field. It could be anything from a very technical subject. It could be a, a business case. It could be, you know, how do I get a job in, in geospatial, what things are happening in the industry. It could be from a thought leadership perspective. But the idea is to talk about it in in a way that a lot of people can can understand it and can relate to it. So there's a ton of technical information out there in this field. But I feel like oftentimes it's developers talking to developers. You know, as a, and I feel like anyway that there's a massive gap here between the, the technical side of our industry and you know, the, the decision makers. And that's the gap that I'm trying to fill. I'm trying to show up in a way that lots of people can understand what's happening and can get value out of it. But really sort of break these subjects down and, and look at the industry in very broad terms, like not just as Python or JavaScript or web mapping, but all the other things around it. Well, you've obviously had some success because I, I think you just crossed the uh, the 70 episode milestone. So congratulations. I, I know I can say from my own experience how difficult it is to to keep the momentum going. I'm fortunate, of course, to have a co-host so we, we, can, we can alternate off the episodes, but you're doing it all yourself. So that is no small feat. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I think it's a lot more effort than people realize. I think people are still sort of under the impression sometimes that you just smack a mic down in the middle of the table and crack some beers and start start talking but for, that is definitely not the case for for the mapscaping podcast there's a, a ton of effort goes into it i actually wait, do pre-interviews as well wait i have to do more than just drink beers and wait oh my yeah. god hang on oh no <laughs> no it, it is true i i have had the pleasure of being on your podcast and and you um, that was before, of course, uh, we started the GMO podcast, and I was very inexperienced. So, yeah, it, it was impressive to see the machine behind the behind the curtain that of of how the whole episode gets made and the process of bringing a guest from kind of an idea into a show. And but tell us a bit about the other side. What is the reaction from the listeners? How who who are the listeners, and what kind of feedback are you getting? And and what episodes stand out? What do people like? What do yeah? I mean, uh, you know this yourself from from podcasting. Uh, it, it's almost like yelling into the void. Like you have to be really active to get 
feedback back from the listeners. And that didn't really start to happen until we had a significant audience, you know, until we were seeing that, you know, 1,000, 1,500 downloads per episode kind of thing. But now we, now we get feedback where people, you know, write into us or um, contact me, especially on LinkedIn and say, hey, I like this. I didn't like that. Also start an email list. So another way of getting feedback, but you have to constantly work at it. I can tell the episodes that get uh, downloaded the most, you know, this is typically where someone shows up with, with an audience themselves, like Aneta Kaza. I mean, she's done an amazing amount of work with, with, with Python, with, with QGIS, and she has this huge audience, you know, so she tells her audience and you can see a significant boost in the downloads when someone like that shows up. But otherwise, I think people are, any episode that we publish about jobs, like how can you improve your job? Should I learn mm. Python? That kind of thing, you know, things that people can really relate to. A lot of the thought leadership stuff, that, that has a slow burn. Yeah, that definitely has a slower burn. But the things that people can immediately relate to, like a skill that they need or something that they're interested in learning, then, then yeah, we, we see a, a big jump in, in download numbers from there. I can see on that that it does take time to to build that momentum. We definitely see that also with GMob, even though we started with an existing offline community. But yeah, it does have a slow burn, and particularly many of the interviews they're they're relevant for quite a bit of time. You know, for so someone will search for a topic or someone's name, and then find the podcast, and and we see many of the older podcasts still get very frequent downloads and stuff. So has it been a, a boost to your to your actual business, the selling of the maps, or is this just kind of a separate? Because you run them under the same name. Game, right, You're, it's the mapscaping yeah. map selling company, and then also the mapscaping podcast. And but in some ways, it kind of seems almost like they're kind of different audiences. So um, has it has it helped that business, or or it's more just this is a project you do for your own learning and stimulation? Yeah, it's it's definitely helped. It has, but you're right that they're, they're two. I think they're two different segments where more different audiences that that we're aiming at there. So I think with time, like it'll definitely help build, you know, traffic to the website and that kind of thing. And the more eyes you get on stuff, you know, the, the better it is for in terms of selling things. But I think there's more of a marketing question than anything else. I don't know if I've done the best job at marketing that side of the business. It's probably something I really need to work on. At the moment, the podcast is taking up so much of my time and I can see the potential in it, especially now with, with covid you know, it's difficult to get in front of audiences like this, you know? Sure. So I, I could see like an affiliate play for their podcast in some time in the future. I could see that being a revenue generating thing. And we've got a few sponsorships coming up as well, which which makes a big difference. But I think anytime we have an audience, like what we do with the podcast, if I can continue to pro provide value and build that audience, I mean, so some of those episodes now, they're approaching 4,000 downloads. And if you think about 4,000 downloads times, you know, half an hour to 40 minutes, that's, that's a lot of attention. So I, I can, I, I can see the potential here. It is. It's also kind of a funny medium though, because speaking now as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, you know, I, I listen to probably like of all different topics, I listen to all these podcasts and I try out new podcasts all the time. And then I find ones I like, and you start subscribing and listening every week and you start to build up a weird kind of relationship with the podcast, you know, and you feel like, you know, the person, but yeah. in reality, you don't know them at all. So it, it's a very weird form of intimacy. Um, and it's quite strange, actually. I, I've actually in person met some people of podcasts that I listen to. And it's so weird because it's like the dynamic is so, you know, everything about them and they know nothing about you. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's really yeah. quite strange. 
I have. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting any of the the people that I listen to and follow in terms of podcasting, but I'm. I love this medium. You know, I absolutely love it. I listening to people's voice and like you're saying, you build up this relationship to them, and you get like long form content just delivered to you. I, I would never sit and read a blog post for thirty minutes, forty minutes. It just wouldn't happen. Right. Very rarely, I have time to sit and concentrate on a YouTube video for the same amount of time. But podcasts I can listen to while I'm doing other things. It's not to say that I'm not interested in those subjects, but it's just this this format really speaks to me. Right. I got you. Someone taking this kind of broad view of the geo industry, but also being a practitioner in it, but and also having your own your own side business related to it, what are what are some of the broad trends you're seeing and, and things that get you excited? Broadly in the industry, I mean that there's those things that we, we often talk about is that you know, moving code to the data, that kind of stuff. And recently published an episode with Chad Jennings from BigQuery, Google's yeah, a GIS thing in the cloud, which is amazing. So, so that's pretty clear. There's a lot of the companies I talk to or businesses I interact with, they're doing things around curation as opposed to creating data themselves, so stringing things together and enriching them. See that being a massive, massive trend. Another really massive trend, and I think is particularly interesting, is the trend of these geospatial companies. They don't market themselves as geospatial companies. They're very deep. You know, they're not broad companies. They're not solving every problem. They're going, I'm solving this problem here. I did an interview a wee while ago with uh, ClearGrid, and you know, they're a remote sensing company through and through. But nowhere on the website, and when you talk to them, do they talk about remote sensing? They're a, a data collection company for utility companies where they read smart meters. And yeah, I reckon I, that's something we in the industry should really, really think about. Like, I love geospatial. I like geeking out about this stuff. But I think the way we market ourselves, you know, internally in organizations and between businesses and even to each other, I think we're leaving tons of opportunity on the table just because we're, you know, we're in our own little filter bubble. Yeah, well, this is a trend that that we've seen for many years at GeoMob. You know, of course, we have all the people who self-identify as GIS experts or work at, let's say, the Ordnance Survey or something like clear geo companies. But we increasingly have more and more people who they're just building some interesting application, and it has a geo aspect to it. And and so, you know, more by randomness, they ended up working on geo stuff, and they don't have the formal background, and they're just grabbing whatever tool they can find and using it and to get the job done. Um, and oftentimes those are the most interesting talks because that's where they, it's that random combining and collaboration of different pieces, it, in some cases, even using them the wrong way in quotes, that produces the interesting experiments and and the new ideas to take things forward. So, yeah, yeah these people, I think, I think a lot of people might feel a little bit intimidated by this as well. You know, if you have sort of established yourself as an expert in the field and then someone sort of just shows up and just solves the problem, they don't care if it's, you know, if you call it geospatial or if you're, you're talking about spatial joins or attributes or file formats or anything like that. They're just interested in solving the problem and they're going to Absolutely. do it in a new, a new and unique way. And I think, I mean, obviously best practices and all that kind of stuff, but I really think there's some interesting projects happening out there at the moment with people just showing up, like there's a problem to be solved. I'm just going to get into it and, and see what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Well, I mean, that's one of the coolest things about the barriers to entry falling so rapidly, be it on access to data, be it on availability of, of great tools at either free or near free prices, you know, it lets people experiment. And so they just dive yeah. in and do cool things. 
And that's kind of what I was getting at with that curation point that I had there. You know, people are showing up and just sort of mixing and matching stuff. You know, back in the good old days, we would call it a mashup or something like that. Mixing and mashing things together, whether it be tools and, and data or just data and to just making it work. They, well, that, see, it. they see an opportunity in the market and like that needs to be solved. I think I can do it. That's entirely the case with with the business that I run, OpenCage, where where we're just a layer on top of various open data sources and providing you know the curation, the stability, and but also some enhancement of the data. But but fundamentally, that's it. That's what we do. So yeah. tell us. Let's dive a bit deeper into your own business because I think a lot of people out there who are consultants or, or working more on the service side, project side. They have this vision of, okay, I got to get out of this rat race of consulting and, and move to selling a product in some way because it offers more stability. Was that your motivation as well? And, and tell us the process of how you, how you started on that and lessons you've learned along the way and how it's going. Give us your perspective. Yeah, so that was that was absolutely my, you know, my motivation. I, I wanted something on the side. I was sick of sort of trading time for money. If there was something that you could do that could be bigger than myself, you know, bigger than a service-based business, would that's it's so attractive, right? And so, if you're thinking in those lines, then you have to be thinking about something on the internet. Yeah, so I, I've never been much of a cartographer, and that's why I settled on, you know, making maps in that fashion because it was just I don't have to do the design. The Earth, so I should say that all our maps are based on on elevation data, and I just love the simplicity of it. The Earth had done the design for me. I just need to add the colors, process the data. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, sure. I'm just fascinated by the simplicity of it. Like I could never get lost in the details of the nuance of this particular shade of color, or you know, oh, this line well, has to be this at, at these that, different what, at these different resolutions. That's what makes your map so beautiful is exactly that simplicity because typically they're, they're, you know, one color tone and, and it, it really stands out. And yeah, I think every, anyone who's ever spent even 10 minutes dabbling on the cartographic side of things and trying to make their own maps, I mean, it's a rabbit hole. You can go down for years trying to like figure out which, yeah. you know, how to label things and which colors to use. And I mean, so you, you go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. Okay, so that was the idea. But then how did you turn it into a business? Trial and error. <laughs> way more error, error than anything else. Just start. Like I would encourage anybody who has any sort of entrepreneurial tendencies to start. I mean, throw yourself out there, make a ton of mistakes. Everyone says this and it's so much easier to say it than it is to actually do it because you need to have a relatively thick skin, right? As soon as you do something, put it in the world, somebody is going to review it. Somebody is going to show up and tell you in a very unhelpful way what they don't, exactly what they don't like about it. And you're going to get 20 times more of them than what you're going to get of any sort of positive feedback. But you just need to take it on the chin and sort of keep moving forward and figure out what's what's working. I think for me personally, the most fascinating side of this has been the marketing side of it. I've been communicating the idea of what you're doing and how to reach the audience. And I take a whole bunch of those learnings into my job now. So, you know, like looking at my audience, having empathy for them. So who are these people that are sitting on the other side of the table? Yeah, and, so that's been really helpful. And then, but and you asked about the business. So to start a business, you need an audience, right? And I'm, I'm a huge, we, we did it the other way around. We built some stuff and then went looking for people. And I think the prob, I think the more correct way of doing it is to find an audience and then find things for your audience as opposed to finding an audience for your things. Yeah, I would agree. Although obviously it's, it's not, it, it's easier than it ever was to create an audience using social media, of course. 
that still doesn't mean it's easy though. It's, it's, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of, in some ways you can't, it takes time. You can't, you can't rush it. You, know, you can't really it have credibility. You, you have to do it again yeah. and again and again. If you want to build a meaningful audience. Yeah. I mean, you can build a, an audience that has no meaning whatsoever and no, no benefit whatsoever relatively quickly. I think people look at these metrics on social media and instead of seeing them as just vanity metrics, they, they confuse them with an actual audience of people that care about you and what you're doing and, and the work that you're putting into the world. And for the most part, that's not the case at all. I think, and there's different layers to any audience that you build. So if you could start over, what, what, how would you do it differently again with your, your business? Or what would be your advice to someone out there listening right now who similar background, probably a technical person, geographic background, thinking, oh, but, you know, how can, I, how can I get out of selling my time for money and instead move to selling a, a geo-related product? So any, I would start a website, so you need to have a presence and I wouldn't get tricked into just just using social media. Maybe start off on social media, whatever platform you are most comfortable using. And you need to be excited about that platform because you're going to spend a bit of time there. And But I would definitely have a website, a, like a property on the web that you own yourself and that you can send people back to. And that needs to be your basis for things. And then I would start just working in public, experimenting in public, learning in public. You know, this is what I'm doing just put it out into the world. You know, I'm trying this thing today and being brutally honest about it. This worked, this didn't work. I'm going to try a new map. I'm going to try this new service. I've been working on this JavaScript code for three weeks now. This is what I'm hoping it'll do. This is the results of it. Ah, I failed here. I would definitely work in public. I would document the journey. And I think that's the easiest place to start because and I would not be afraid of putting anything into the world that was kind of, that wasn't, Perfect. You know, people get carried away with this, you know, perfection in my mind is complete enemy of progress. You need to put things into the world and not just sort of throw shit out there, you know, think about what you're doing, but if it's not perfect, it doesn't matter. And just, just start, but definitely like have that web presence and start documenting the journey. That's the way I'd get going with, with regardless of, of what it is that you're trying to achieve, but you need, you need an audience of some kind. I think that's fantastic advice. You know, how long did it take when you, from the time you started your business till the first sales started coming in? You know, what did you do to get the very first bits of momentum going? This advice that I just gave—that's because we did everything wrong, right? Like we, <laughs> again, we we built the thing and then went looking for people for our stuff instead of you know stuff for our people. And so we put it out in the world and didn't tell anyone about it. Huge mistake. You know, kept it all secret, secret, secret. Oh, no one's going to steal our idea. Right. All of those kind of things. And then put it into the world and then sort of blasted it across our personal social media. And we got a few sales that night. And I can tell you that that was the best feeling in the world. Sure, sure. Uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing. But it went all downhill from there, like steeply downhill. And we realized that, I mean, you just can't rely on friends and family and like the random person that sort of arrives by on the internet, like marketing is, is difficult. So yeah. And then we started really thinking seriously about how we use social media, what we put out on our social media and that kind of thing. And then lately we've been concentrating a lot more on uh, search engine optimization. So writing content for the web, making right. things for the web, trying to answer people's questions, that kind of thing, and getting organic traffic to the site. Yeah, also a very long game. Unfortunately, there's no shortcut there, really. No, but great. Congrats on the perseverance. What, just out of interest, what which maps are most popular? What are people most into? That is a good question. It's so it's so random, but I think maps of Scotland have sold really well. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, it's obviously <laughs> unique geography. It, it, it's a 
I guess a map of like Kansas or something is less interesting or it's just a square, <laughs> particularly yeah. in your style, like, you know, having all the different islands and things is, is really makes it eye catching. So, yeah. well, fantastic, Daniel. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your journey. Um, so what's, what's, what's next on the podcast? What can people expect there? I mean, I encourage all of our listeners to, you should also be subscribing to the Mapscaping podcast because every week it's a very interesting conversation, but what's coming up? There. I, I want to do a bit of a, a focus session on uh, freelancers and, and geospatial GIS. Oh, so I I've got great. Um, yeah. So I've got some interesting people lined up who are going to who have had their own business and been successful in it, but it's a you know a, a one person show kind of thing. And I think my, my hope is there that we can provide some answers for people that are looking to start their own thing. You know what what it's like, what you need to think about how you need to prepare for it, what, what problems are people asking you to solve, is it important to have specific skills, that kind of thing. And I want to do that in terms of so, so GIS and, and remote sensing, earth observation. And then I'm, I'm hopefully going to have an interview with someone called Tim, Tim Sutton. And he's going to talk a little bit about how he's making money on using open source products, like the pitfalls of that, what's working, what's not working, that kind of thing. I haven't completely fleshed out that side of it yet. But I think that I, I want to sort of try and package things up into some themes. Okay. You know, yeah, that and, sounds and great. Themes. Yeah. Uh, so, particularly this thing around freelancing. I mean, so much of the industry is is exactly these kind of small shops that do kind of custom consulting projects or custom software builds for, for people who come in with so many diverse different problems and needs. So I think that will be very well received. Very interesting. A, a wee while ago, we've done, um, uh, we had a, a, an episode on R in, in geospatial, so the programming language R. That mm -hmm. was really well received. Uh, the ones we've done with Aneta Glasser on Python, they have been very well received, but we haven't covered SQL, for example, like, you know, because people want to know, is this worth getting into? So I'm working on getting um, Paul Ramsey back on the show to talk a little bit about that and maybe sort of tie it into Postgres, PostGIS, that kind of thing. But I think going forward, I really like to have those themes where perhaps maybe not all in one week, but where we kind of sort of concentrate and look at one particular particular subject like that freelancing. What's it like to start a business? Fantastic. I, I think, as I said, I think that will do very well. And I think I encourage everyone to give it a listen. So, okay. okay. Anyone, uh, anyone who has ideas, I think everyone, if you're not yet familiar with it, go check out the back catalog. Of course, also check out Daniel's maps because they're quite beautiful. And thank you very much you know, for being on the show today, but also for being an inspiration to, to Stephen and myself. It's a great podcast and I've learned a lot from, from the actual episodes and the guests, but also just the way in which you've, you've grown your audience. So it's a, I look forward to many more episodes. Cheers, Ed. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.